All right, welcome back to Wrestling Retold and Relive with Richie Mars. I, of course, am your humble, gracious host, Richie Mars. Thank you so much for clicking onto this episode to listen all about the anthology of the Elimination Chamber. Thank you all who looked at the previous episode of the Unsung Divas of History with Chrissy Tina. She's definitely going to be back on again. And of course, you can follow us on at Retold Richie Mars on the TikTok, on the Twitter and on the Instagram. And speaking of TikTok and Instagram, my main man, my guest is hitting all the right notes when it comes to wrestling content creation on multiple platforms. He is the one. He is Roman Wrestling. Roman, how we doing, bud? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on here. Uh, yeah, like you said, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, you can find me. It's at Wrestling with Roman on pretty much everything except for X, or if you still want to call it Twitter, I call it both. So it doesn't really matter to me, but uh, on Twitter, it's Roman wrestling underscore. So that's the only one different, but at wrestling with Roman, pretty much everywhere else that you can find content, especially when it comes to wrestling. Cause that's pretty much what I'm all about right now. You hear that everybody, you got to follow him right now. That is your homework. After you listen to this episode, you follow him and then you listen to this again and get those numbers up. But Roman, thank you so much again for joining me. Yeah. Give us a little bit of a cliff note version of your wrestling fandom. When did it start and how did it evolve over time? Well, it mostly started back in the Attitude Era. I know I'm showing my age a little bit, but uh, that's just uh, around five, six years old was like the height of the Attitude Era. Uh, WrestleMania 17 to me is like the peak of wrestling, which I mean, I was still a kid. It was still real to me. Like, so those emotions and that nostalgia just like sticks with you all through yeah, my teenage years and my adulthood. And um, there was a point in time uh, a couple years ago, actually, where I wasn't really watching wrestling. I kind of got bored with it. You know, it just, you know, it was kind of not a great time because, you know, WWE was pretty much all you all there was in the United States. And so then, honestly, AEW brought me back into wrestling. And so mm -hmm. it made me want to check out WWE again. I was like, well, AEW, this new, this new promotion, it's pretty cool. Let me go back and see what WWE is doing. And then WWE got me hooked back in kind of around the time um, Roman Reigns and the bloodline was really starting. And it just hooked me right back in. And I've been watching it as much as I can ever since. Well, we welcome you back with open arms because let me just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, his content probably some of the most wholesome content in the wrestling community. So if that's what you're looking for, I definitely recommend it. Of course, one of my favorite videos of yours is going to, I believe it was a uh, Target or Walmart get, gunning a uh, WWE championship for 1597. Oh, yeah. And then you could be Roman Reigns yourself. Very fun stuff. Highly oh, yeah. recommend. But we are here to talk about the Elimination Chamber. Now, usually I give my guests the... Uh, floor of why they chose this topic so what interested are you in this topic of the elimination chamber um well the main thing was just recency biased you know the elimination chamber is coming up and when you had asked me about joining you today i was like well you know elimination chamber is coming up a lot of people are going to want to talk about that i'm going to want to talk about that because it's usually uh one of those very interesting it's a unique event that they do and so it made me want to think back about okay, like when did it start? You know, what was the motivation behind it? And um, I mean, anytime I can talk about wrestling, especially something more unique like the Elimination Chamber, then I'm all for it. And let's get into the history of the Elimination Chamber because as the story goes, 
Triple H was trying to petition for a War Games match ever since WCW went out of business. You know, now we have the intellectual property of our competition. Why not use probably their best creation? So he went to Vince with the idea and Vince balked on it because it wasn't a WWE creation. It wasn't his own creation. So that's when the it was determined that we would get the Elimination Chamber. Now, right. so Roman, I have to ask you, uh, when this was announced, the Elimination Chamber, one, were you watching then? And two, what did you think about the Elimination Chamber as a concept? So around that time, I was like nine, eight, nine, ten years old. So I was still young. So it was a really cool concept to me uh, seeing it and uh, but at the time growing up, I didn't really get to see pay-per-views like live that day it was always the week or two after, because that was back in the days when pay-per-views were, you know, 50, 60, $70 a piece. And uh, the way I grew up, um, when we wanted to watch Survivor Series or WrestleMania or SummerSlam, we would hope that somebody we knew bought it and we'd all go watch it. Or uh, we would know somebody who had other alternative ways of watching it. And we would figure that out or somebody would record it, you know, and we'd watch it then. But I was I remember seeing the commercials. The commercials were what really sold it. You know, the guy talking about, oh, it's so many miles of chains and so many tons of steel. And they were showing the creation of it. That's what really sold it, especially for, you know, young kids seeing that. And you're thinking, wow, this is going to be one of the most you know, biggest spectacles and most dangerous match ever. I have got to see this. And now let's fast forward to that first Elimination Chamber match. It was Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Kane, RVD, Booker T, and Chris Jericho. Now, these were probably the top of the food chain when it came to not only Raw superstars, but WWE superstars yeah. in general. And as the story goes, they couldn't test out any of their ideas because, again, this is the first one. And it's metal great and chain and trying to do innovative things. It's almost like they had to kind of go on the fly. And they actually did for a certain portion of the match. Uh, for one, RVD hit the frog splash on Triple H and it crushed his larynx. So mm -hmm. Triple H was then pretty much out of commission for a majority of the match. And then they actually screwed up the entry order during the match. It was supposed to be oh, really? Shawn Michaels was going to come in at number five and clean house and then Kane was going to be the last one and then stop him but they switched the order and then all bedlam came out but personally it's one of my favorite elimination chamber matches just because of the innovation you had the Shawn Michaels poop brown tights and then you had that nice moment of Shawn Michaels winning his first world championship since coming back from that back injury what was your overall thoughts on the elimination chamber did you think they hit a home run with the concept oh yeah i definitely think that um because you got to think they did the, the what, how can you improve on the hell in a cell? You couldn't really use the war games because, you know, Vince McMahon and them, they didn't really want to use it. Um, so this is kind of the next best thing. And it's almost, you can almost say even better, just depending on how you like, you know, your wrestling matches, but it, it came out really, I think they really hit a home run, like you said. And then I was shocked as, as a kid, when I finally watched it, that Shawn Michaels won it. And I was, you know, like everybody else, like, what is he wearing? And then you find out later on that, you know, uh, he had an idea for his gear and they just didn't get it done in time. And you're thinking about like, OK, even if they did finish it, 
what was it going to look like anyway? Like it, it didn't seem like it was going to look all that great. He's out there and I think he's what his cowboy boots and his brown tights. And it's just like, none of this looks right. And then he's the one who wins it. And so I think it's a good re- kind of a redemption story for Shawn Michaels for being out for so long, kind of out of the title picture. And then finally getting back on top of that mountain. And uh, we're going to fast forward uh, in a bit to the next chamber match, but as like, just the look of it, the aura that it had, it was so unique and different that people didn't feel like this until that Hell in a Cell in 97. And it really looked like Satan's prison, you know, and it really looked like these guys were legitimately going through hell in order to get the top prize of the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, are you glad that they went with this Elimination Chamber concept over a War Games concept at this time? I think looking back that it was the right decision to come up with something original and unique or, you know, at least it felt original, you know, it, because um, I think at the time people would have loved war games because people had gotten used to it with the intellectual property of WCW being owned by WWE. So, of course, who wouldn't want to see war games with your favorite WWE superstars and your favorite WCW superstars who weren't still sitting on the couch collecting a paycheck? You want to see all these people and you want to see all these classics. But at the same time, as fans, we want to see something new, right? I mean, we we are victims of nostalgia, but we're also victims of what's next, what's new, what's innovative. And so, of course, I think the Elimination Chamber, they really hit it out of the park with doing this. And I'm happy that they did it. And it, it's been successful and it's still going today. And let's talk about what was next for the Elimination Chamber, because usually with a match structure like this, you wouldn't really see it for a couple of you know a couple of months couple of years and hold on yeah and let's transition to the second chamber match because a lot of it was due to circumstance because usually you'd wait like a year maybe a couple of years for this to make it really feel big but it happened SummerSlam of 2003 and not even a full year after the first chamber match and there are a couple of reasons for that one triple h had a groin injury so it was pretty much to shadow his um, injury and pretty much they wanted to have Goldberg and built him, built Goldberg up and to win the championship. Unfortunately, (laughs) Goldberg didn't want to go to an Australia tour. So allegedly, so that was the reason for triple H winning this chamber match, even though he didn't really do anything. He, by Goldberg, he got super kicked, and then he hit Goldberg with the sledgehammer. One, two, three, bing, bada, boom, and there you go. But mission accomplished to make Goldberg look like a destroyer, even though his one-year run with WWE at the time wasn't very uh, extravagant. What were your thoughts on this chamber match in particular? Uh, I remember back at back in the day, at the time. Uh, it was kind of like the first one. You're like, what the heck is Triple H wearing? You know, everybody's like, why'd he go with the thigh, the thigh tights or whatever? And you look back and he had a groin injury. But yeah, they they wanted to make Goldberg look good. Um, I really didn't know about that. You're saying um, that they were looking to put the belt on him, but he didn't want to do, uh, you know, overseas tours or whatever, which um, it's one of those surprising things. Triple H came out on top. A lot you know the more we talk about the elimination chamber he's got the most wins he won it four times and eight he was in what six matches i think six or eight so he won it at least half the time and so yeah so uh it's interesting that with that groin injury that um he he still came out on top 
You know, that's the power of Triple H during that time. The Reign of Terror, as they called it. You could check out the, the Reign of Terror in our World Heavyweight Championship episode in the archives. But enough about Triple H for now, because we're going to transition to another Triple H <laughs> Elimination Chamber win. And that is at New Year's Revolution. And it featured Triple H, Orton, Jericho, Batista, Edge, and Chris Benoit. And this is where the Elimination Chamber would reside to in this pay-per-view. And we would later get the Elimination pay-per-view in general. And I'm going to fast forward a little bit right here. Did you think making the Elimination Chamber an actual pay-per-view, an actual PLE, uh, made it lose this its uh, luster a bit? Um, I think it, it, I'm kind of on the fence about it because a part of me wants to say, um, it's kind of like what they did with Hell in a Cell, you know, they made it its own PLE and everybody's like, it's just not special anymore. If you're, but honestly, the last four five, six years of the Elimination Chamber, most of them have been really good. You've seen innovations, you know, we saw our first women's in 2018 and then, uh, they had the first women's tag match in 2019 and then 2015 was the first tag team one, which that was really good as well. And so you have a lot of variations that kind of came with it. And um, I, I I still like it. I've still enjoyed it. Last year was the best one I've seen in a while. Um, the one before that was, wasn't too bad either. And so I'm really, really looking forward to this year's Elimination Chamber. Yeah, and let's uh, continue to talk about this evolution of the Elimination Chamber. Because as you know, the Elimination Chamber, you know, the like you were mentioning, the old commercials, you know... Uh, Two over two tons, sixteen mile, sixteen feet in diameter, over two miles a chain. All those commercials really hyping it up. And yeah. when we got to 2017, it was redone. Now this was done for a couple of reasons. One, the metal grate, the steel grate that's on the floor had no give, so bumping on it would be very, very tough on the yeah. performers' bodies. Another reason was the old structure wouldn't have been able to fit or been accustomed in most arenas you know because that thing is going to be hanging for a good portion even before showtime and you have to get the thing built and it was just kind of cumbersome yeah. to actually put in any arenas what was your reaction on the change from the past elimination chamber to the current elimination chamber well, I think initially, you know, it was like, oh, why are they changing it? It's been so good. And then you think about the well-being of the wrestlers. First off, you're thinking, well, they're making it a little softer or not really softer, but they're making it a little bit, you know, less rigorous on their bodies because, you know, you got metal grate. Now there's some padding. Um, it's I think they made it what more circular now. It used to be like big square, I think, or maybe I'm thinking the opposite. I don't know. I get it. Sometimes I get these things mixed up in my head. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it's but, just, now uh, it's a square. <laughs> it's a square. Yeah, it used to be a big circle. Now it's a square. That's right. And so, um, it's like you said, it's easier for them to hang it from the rafters because um, they're picking, they're lowering it down and picking it back up. You know, a couple of the times. You know, they got to test it. And plus, mm -hmm. between the different different elimination chamber matches that they typically have on their PLE, and so. I initially liked the kind of liked the change, but I was hesitant because typically when you start making changes to some stuff that's been good, you know, fans might not respond positively to that. 
and uh, the fan reaction has been pretty mixed uh, just from talking to people and just uh, reading comments in general about it. And a lot of people that I've been seeing is like, oh, why not just call it something else if it's taking away the core aspect of the Elimination Chamber? And the only thing that was the dramatic change for me was the metal grates replaced by the padding. And, you know, you'll hear jokes that it's like, oh, it's the bouncy castle version, you know, because it's padding instead of the metal grates on the ground. What is your opinion on that switch in particular? Uh, I think that uh, from the sports entertainment aspect of it, it, it takes away a bit of that viciousness, you know, that violence that you're expecting, you know, because, you know, there's a difference in cold steel and cold padding. But when you're thinking about from the wrestler's perspective, you know, from the people who are actually taking these bumps, you're like, well, OK, you know, I, I understand because, I mean, I'm all about them trying to be safe and them. I understand they put their bodies on the line for us. But at the end of the day, if they can do stuff safely and it really not change, it doesn't really change the product that much. It's a very small change. So at the end of the day, I'm, I'm happier with them trying to be safer uh, than them trying to essentially, you know, injure themselves for our entertainment which they're already doing anyway yeah uh, my train of thought is similar you know it's like it's just an evolution with the times and a lot of people were blaming the pg of wwe but ironically the old structure itself was around more in the pg era than it was in the ruthless aggression tv 14 era so that wasn't the reason for the change at all but a lot of people like to point to pg as the reason when it is really anything but but again like the other factors you know with the arenas trying to hold on to this chamber uh is the problem and also again the cons outweighed the pros when it came to the old structure and let's fast forward to the new year's revolution chamber match with uh, in 2005 with all the uh men that i just mentioned and this was for the vacant world heavyweight championship and now at this point, because the Elimination Chamber was so tied together with Eric Bischoff on Monday Night Raw, the Elimination Chamber was a Raw-exclusive event for a while. Do you think that kind of hindered the SmackDown stars to a certain degree by this being an only a Raw attraction? I think uh, at the time, it's one of those things where if you wanted to be in that match, then you were you were sad you were you're pretty mad that you're missing out but if you were wanting to you know keep some extra years on your wrestling career you were probably happy you weren't in that match but i mean that was back in the time where it did seem like raw got more of the exclusive stuff got more of the exclusive superstars but smackdown i mean smackdown was great in that time a, a very underrated time for smackdown kind of in that ruthless aggression uh, that kind of earth to that pg kind of era type but um, yeah, if you were, I think eventually it was it wasn't that long after before they started doing a Raw and a SmackDown one. And so I think um, some of those SmackDown superstars, they ended up doing it, you know, like The Undertaker and Edge and all them. And so at the time, you're probably thinking, man, Raw's getting all these cool matches. But then some of those wrestlers on SmackDown were like, hey, you know, they they're ta- they can take some extra years off their career and I'll be OK. Now, uh, another thing that I want to talk about the Elimination Chamber was the build-up to the first couple of chamber matches, because before, there was almost a reason for these chamber matches to be happening, other than the championship being on the line, or something being on the line. It was a personal core issue 
between all of these stars, all six of these stars that happen to be in the mix, and then culminating into this hellish environment where they will have to go through this viciousness in order to achieve the greatness of the World Heavyweight Championship. And nowadays we have number one contenders matches that are chamber matches and we have qualifiers. And in my opinion, if I was like in this match, I'd be like, why would I want to go through <laughs> through this <laughs> in order to get this championship? It, like it would just like I, I will earn my because it just kind of seemed like this match was a last resort match, like a hell in a cell rather than I want to be in a chamber match. And do you think that kind of hurt? the chamber match to a certain degree i I could see um that kind of train of thought with saying that it might hurt the chamber match because it's gotten to where like you said it used to be more of a last resort like this is the end of like a few feuds that they're going to put together the end goal is the world heavyweight championship the wwe championship and then lately you know like last year one was for the united states championship that's the first time united states title was uh, being uh, fought for in the elimination chamber, uh, which so that was but that was a pretty good match actually. But um, you know, you see that you want it to be the elimination chamber. You want to be winning the WWE championship or the women's championship or or the world heavyweight championship. Um, you don't you don't really want to put your body on the line for a chance to win the title later. You know, you're you're putting all this together, and this is such a big match. It's such a toll on your body to be in there. And then at the end of the day, you have to basically lick your wounds. And a month later, you got you might have a shot at WrestleMania against somebody who's been chilling pretty much. You know, they're just resting up, relaxing, and then you're you're all beaten and battered on the road to WrestleMania. But typically, when it's say your baby face or so wins the elimination chamber, that just adds so much to their story, especially underdogs. You know, you got like your Daniel Bryans, you know, et cetera, who ends up winning. Um, it just adds so much more to that element. And so it may have taken some away from it. As far as you know, that we're going to have the elimination chamber, you know, we're going to have two matches uh, each year and there's going to be a PLE dedicated to it. But at the end of the day, it's still the elimination chamber. Just winning a match in that structure is still to me, it's still an honor for you to win that. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, it's a shame that Elimination Chamber victories aren't looked at the same as, you know, like a Money in the Bank win or a Rumble win because it, it should be this giant accomplishment. And unfortunately, when you have it as a PLE or a pay-per-view, it kind of dilutes that prestige a little bit. And also having multiple... Uh, chamber matches in a night is also a, a lot more gets lost in the shuffle and you said something interesting about you know winning the elimination chamber match and then going to wrestlemania do you think the chamber being on the road to wrestlemania kind of makes it a forgotten kind of show in comparison to like the rumble or any other ple's that might come up um, I, I don't know if I would say forgotten. I would say, um, as the kids like to say, you know, maybe Elimination Chamber feels like it's been little broed a little bit by Royal Rumble, because at the end of the day, everybody Elimination Chamber is your second chance at trying to go to WrestleMania, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody wants to win the Royal Rumble. But if you don't win the Royal Rumble, you can still try to qualify for Elimination Chamber and go after the title that the Rumble winner didn't challenge for. And so... 
you know, it kind of makes it feel like it's the secondary, you know, opportunity to win. And, but if you look at it, it should be more difficult to win the elimination chamber than to win the Royal rumble because the, I mean, while there's both luck and the draw, so to say with the rumble, you get, if you, you get in the, the late twenties or so, you may only have to last outlast a few men or a few women elimination chamber. If you're five or six, you have a huge chance to win. The most wins are from the five and six and four position. And then, so you have a much better chance in elimination chamber, but still your body going through all that, in the elimination chamber, it's like everybody wants to win the Royal Rumble, right? You grew up, most of us grew up. Hey, who's winning the Royal Rumble? Who's going to WrestleMania? We a lot of people didn't really grow up with who's gonna win the chamber to go to Mania. That's been more recent. And so the chamber used to be for the title. Now a lot of the title or a lot of the matches for Elimination Chamber are for a chance at the title. And so that's where it's kind of felt like maybe it's it's pushed as a secondary to the Royal Rumble, but it really, it's really not. I mean, in my eyes, they're pretty equal, even though I think the Royal Rumble is probably my favorite, you know, PLE that they do. Elimination Chamber is right up there. I, I really enjoy it. And I think it goes for WWE's uh, line of thinking. As of recently, uh, the Elimination Chamber became an attraction as opposed to this viciousness that only happens every once in a while. And to, for better or for worse, you know, you could see both sides of it. It's definitely from a business perspective on why they keep the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view as a special event rather than having all these stories culminate into one giant structure. And as we fast forward, I'm going to have a little fun fact. The same Elimination Chamber that uh, Edge cashed in after the fact, which featured John Cena, Chris Masters, Carlito, Shawn Michaels, Kane, and Kurt Angle. And the funny thing about that is a lot of people are critical because Kurt Angle only lasts a couple minutes in the match, hits a couple suplexes, and then he comes out. Kurt Angle said on his podcast, The Kurt Angle Show, that no nobody in these matches wants to stay in for long just because of how brutal it is. So they all held a uh, tournament of uh, rock, paper, scissors to determine who would be the first one eliminated. And he won. And he's like, all right, I'll just do my stuff and I'll see you guys later. You know, so it just goes to show a lot of people, even though it was a prestigious spot in being inside an elimination chamber, people weren't really jumping up and down to participate just because of how unforgiving it is. And we're going to fast forward a little bit more. And the next elimination chambers were, uh, oh boy, it's the extreme elimination chamber from ECW December to December. The show was infamous for being one of the worst WWE pay-per-views of all time. Uh, I haven't gone back and watched it. Maybe I should for for a future day, but that's that's then this is now. And the concept of the extreme elimination chamber. We're not thinking extreme elimination chamber in my teenage brain at the time. Uh, I was thinking oh, obviously they're going to replace like, you know, the chains with barbed wire, with this, with that, like fire is going to be set up everywhere. It's going to look like a uh, 2K game, <laughs> like modded, essentially. However, that wasn't really the case. And in this elimination chamber, each pod had a designated weapon. And they had the chair, they had the table, they had the crowbar, and they had the barbed wire baseball bat. Now, 
what was your opinion on this change to, to make this like extreme? Did you think it was extreme enough with this or did you think there needed to be a little bit more, or maybe like a different weapon choice? Um, I remember kind of back in the day thinking about it and seeing that they're advertising this. Right. And I'm like extreme. Cause like they really, they really watered down ECW when they took it over. Right. Um, Obviously, ECW, you had your ECW one night stands uh, with the RVD calling his shot, beating John Cena. That was amazing. And they were fast forwarding, you know, Bobby Lashley is kind of the face of the ECW brand. You got a lot of other, you know, Matt Hardy, guys like that. Right. And so you're thinking, okay, we got some great young talent, some kind of older talent, some established guys. We have ECW. It's going to be extreme. There's going to be, like you said, flaming tables, maybe some barbed wire action. Uh, you know, some somebody's ear might get ripped off. You never know what's going to happen, right? Because it's supposed to be extreme. And then you you see what it actually is. It's just each guy, you know, basically gets to pick their own weapon like they're like a member of uh, like zombies on call of duty or something you get to pick a bat or a crowbar or whatever uh i think i messed up that reference but anyway um you know you got your own selected character and you get to pick whichever weapon you want like it's a smackdown versus raw when you go backstage Mm -hmm. or whatever and so it it was kind of cool because that's one of those things i've thought about as well i've thought about how could how could they change it how could they improve the elimination chamber nowadays like how could they add some variations to it and it made me think about this match, right? It made me think about, okay, well, they tried some extreme stuff. They can go real extreme. Why wouldn't, like, I was expecting maybe some TLC, you know, tables, ladders, and chairs going nuts in there because you can do so much stuff with it. And it it, it kind of just didn't really deliver, like you said before, the whole pay-per-view itself just didn't really hit like you think it would. Yeah, and just a little uh, behind-the-scenes fact for uh, that, uh, Sabu was famously taken out of that chamber match for not filming a pre-tape. And Hardcore Holly was inserted in. And in Hardcore Holly's book, The Hardcore Truth, I recommend it. It's a great read. Uh, he was only paid, despite being in the main event match, only $1,000 for that match. You know, which, uh, again, $1,000, that's a pretty penny. But for going inside an extreme elimination chamber match on a WWE pay-per-view main event, that's not very good so if anybody says oh i'd like to get what these guys are paying from being in a match like that well you're only getting paid a thousand bucks if this is back in 2006 but after that uh um i do think that the extreme elimination chamber at least the concept of a weapon in each pod is doable it's just the execution was off and trying to establish bobby lashley as a face of ECW, that was fine. Another behind-the-scenes fact of that was Paul Heyman's pitch was CM Punk would tap out the big show in two minutes and then would go on to win the chamber, and then CM Punk would be the face of ECW. Uh, Vince was like, no, we're doing Bobby Lashley. And Punk even walked into Vince, and he's like, oh, I should really just... I think we should do it this way. And Vince is like, oh, oh, oh we'll do it... Uh, my way or the highway pal i'll owe you one you know and uh that it, it went exactly how vince went uh expected and the pay-per-view went off 15 minutes off the air and then Heyman got blamed for everything and then that's what caused Heyman to leave wwe for a while but that was the past and again like i said the extreme elimination chamber had some legs if it was developed a little bit more but they kind of just 
threw it all together and just said, yeah, screw it. Let's just throw it right there. So now we're getting into what I like to call the number one contenders era of the Elimination Chamber matches, where this is the first time the Elimination Chamber was for the number one contendership. You had at the No Way Out pay-per-view, which is kind of clever since No Way Out and Elimination Chamber, you know, kind of kind of fits because there's no way out of the Elimination Chamber until you're eliminated. And you had Triple H win the WWE number one contenders match, and then you had The Undertaker win the World Heavyweight Championship number one contenders match. Now, we sort of hinted at it before, but what was your overall feeling of the number one contenders matches now being a part of this Elimination Chamber war? Um, I, I kind of felt like... I'm trying to think back then, like, how I was feeling about it. I mean, back then, it was... Um, any Elimination Chamber just seemed cool because it was still... It still seemed kind of new. You know, it, it hadn't been around as long... And now that there's been like 20, 20 or 30 of them or whatever now, um, the the whole first um, number one contenders matches, um, as far as that goes, I, I kind of like it and I kind of don't because it, it kind of saying, are you willing to go through hell and back and, you know, 16 plus miles of chain, blah, 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 all this just for a shot at the title, not just winning the title, just at a just a shot at it, and then who knows what the match is going to be when you when you go after the title. And so overall, I, I I I've warmed up to the idea over the years, and it just seems like that's what WWE is going to do. At least one of them is going to be for a number one contenders this year. Both of them are, and so at least one, maybe even both of them are going to be number one contenders matches from now on, and. That's just how it is until they change it. I mean, I'm probably going to be watching no matter what anyway. Yeah, that's what I always say. It's like, look, they can do what they want. It's their company. I'm still going to be watching, you know, whether I think the creative decision is up to par or not. But let's fast forward to probably one of the greatest creative decisions in Elimination Chamber history. And that is Edge attacking Kofi Kingston to steal his pod and entering himself in the World Heavyweight Championship Elimination Chamber match when he lost the WWE Championship the day before, or the not the day, the night, uh, that night. Just hours before, takes Kofi's spot, and then later wins the World Championship. This is probably one of my favorite pay-per-view storylines in just creating Edge as this ultimate bad guy at the time and stealing uh, a spot from a upstart. What did you think about this in terms of Edge's character, his recent uh, couple years ago establishing himself after an Elimination Chamber match by cashing in Money in the Bank? And at this point, did you think the Elimination Chamber was synonymous with Triple H and Edge? Or do you have a couple other people that you would like to throw in the mix there? Well, um, obviously you think a lot of the, especially the early years Elimination Chamber, it was pretty much dominated by Triple H and then sort of Edge. Uh, but a name that um, doesn't really get floated a lot when you talk about Elimination Chambers is Chris Jericho. Um, Chris Jericho was in a lot of those early ones and he was in a lot of some of the later ones as well. Um, him and Randy Orton have the most total matches in it, uh, eight. They've both been in eight, and they both won one. And so Chris Jericho won back in 2010 um, for the World Heavyweight Championship. But um, Chris Jericho's a name 
that doesn't really get mentioned and for obvious reasons nowadays why he doesn't get mentioned a whole lot uh, in WWE. But they actually mentioned him pretty recently uh, when they were doing talking about Gunther's 600 plus day reign as Intercontinental Champion. They mentioned uh, Chris Jericho has the most reigns and et cetera, you know, and so they're doing better about that. But um, yeah, Chris Jericho's a name that's um, pretty synonymous with Elimination Chamber that you don't hear about. Uh, Randy Orton's a big name that uh, was in a bunch of Elimination Chamber matches that I don't hear a lot of people talking about him as well, but he was in a bunch of them too. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of names that um, you can think about that have been in it. You know, RVD was in a bunch of them. Shawn Michaels was in the first three or four of them. Uh, so yeah, there's been a lot of great names. John Cena, uh, Daniel Bryan won three times. John Cena won three times. Edge won twice. And so there's a lot of names that have been in there. A lot of Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers as well. Yeah, a very big eclectic mix of just Elimination Chamber participants. And we're going to talk about some of the ones that uh, people don't really <laughs> remember as much. Uh, you had Mike Knox. You had Jack Swagger. You had Cesaro. You had a uh, surprisingly Christian was only in one of them. Uh, that was a little shocking to me that he was only in one elimination chamber match. And then uh, we're going to go into, of course, the tag team chamber matches. Now, the tag team chamber matches were always an odd beast to me because it, it it's a lot of people. You know, usually there's just six people to start, but now you're going to start with 12, double that. And it's almost like chamber matches and just multi-man matches in general. It's kind of like a controlled chaos sort of vibe. But when you add double the people, everything just kind of like snowballs from there. What were your thoughts of a tag team chamber match did you think it would work were you skeptical of it and what did you think about the final results of the tag team chamber matches that we've had well looking back on it i mean it it's one of those things like it was around the time where i was watching off and on so like i wasn't really like watching every week when this was going on um and then but going back and watching some of it and seeing some of it that's that was a great chamber but you got to think um it's kind of my thing is like who doesn't love a steel cage or a hell in a cell or, you know, elimination chamber. I mean, it's great, but you got to think as a team from the TV audience and even your live audience, you can't really see everything that's going on that well, because there's so much going on. You have all these, this chain link and you're looking through these little squares to try to see what's going on. So there's a lot of stuff that you can't see as well. And so then you get, like you said, you double the action so there's double going on once it's all really going nuts in there. Um, but I thought it was a cool concept. It's one of those things that, you know, you'd heard people talking about it. And then people were waiting on when, when are we going to get a tag one? Or when are we going to get a woman's one? Or when are we going to get this and that? And so it ended up being good. And it helped kind of re reestablish the New Day as one of the top tag teams in WWE. And fun fact, uh, because of their association with the authority, they were allowed all three members at the same time too. So their victory in the elimination chamber was has a, has a little bit of an asterisk to it, but still a win is a win as they say. But now we go on to probably one of the worst elimination chambers in history. And that's for the intercontinental championship. And that's not due to the participate, uh, the participants involved. It was due to an accidental <laughs> chamber pod opening. So 
the spot was Wade Barrett. I believe he was throwing Dolph Ziggler into the uh, chamber glass. And the glass broke, and that pod held Mark Henry. And Mark Henry steps out of the chamber and then pauses because we, we, we haven't been in this situation where a pod accidentally breaks and then <laughs> they, they finally gave him the okay and then it showed Dolph Ziggler in the ring just calling spots and it got very messy really quick. Was that probably one of the worst chamber matches you remember seeing? And if not, what were a couple of chamber moments that you think don't really live up to the hype as it once did. Um, it's one of those, like I said, like when I were back kind of those years, I was off and on. And so I, I've went back and kind of watched it. Uh, that, that was for the, the vacant intercontinental championship, which I believe Ryback won that one. If I'm not wrong there. Um, yeah, it's one of those. Yes, I kind of, I went back like a week or so ago, and I tried, I kind of skimmed through a lot of the elimination chambers just to kind of refresh my memory on some of them that I never watched or that I, I just hadn't watched in a long time. And it did seem like kind of choppy, kind of everything kind of seemed out of place. Like somebody was moving too fast. Somebody was a little behind. Nobody was really on the same page. And so can I say it's the worst one? Uh, I, I can't say it's the worst one. It's definitely nowhere near the best. Okay. It's definitely nowhere near the best, but uh, it, I mean, overall, like it was okay. It was an okay match. Um, you know, they, that's, that's like with Ryback, you know, the whole feed me more stuff. Um, I mean, I was never a huge fan of his. I, he was super over at one point though. He was crazy over, uh, but um yeah, I, I just never wasn't a huge fan of his. And that match just, you know, it didn't it wasn't terrible, but certainly wasn't good. And that was the last chamber match under the old uh, design. No more still great. And then we're going to talk about the change in a bit. But what was your favorite elimination chamber match with the old design? Uh, it probably just had to be that very first one because it just had that that specialness, that uniqueness that we've never seen this before. And you had Shawn Michaels kind of on that road to redemption. You had Triple H kind of doing his thing. You had RVD in there, Booker T. No, not RVD wasn't in there, was he? Yes, he was RVD. Was in there. Booker T, Chris oh, yes, Jericho, and Kane. So you had all these you know, guys that were at the top of their game on the Raw brand. And so... To me, that's probably that's probably one of the best ones ever. And then, um, you know what? I'll say I'll say even like um, just from that back in the day there, the one with Edge when he came and we talked about it, um, kind of knocked Kofi out of there and came and stole it. Um, the overall match itself, I thought was pretty good, but just that moment of like, holy crap! Like he basically just stole a spot. Now he's basically stolen the championship again. You know, the ultimate opportunist. He's Stealing this, he's doing the money in the banks, he's stealing guys' girlfriends in the back. He's just nuts, just a total menace for the whole roster Edge used to be. And so um, there's just a, it, something about that old style that's, that's just kind of nostalgia now. But, you know, I, I like the new style, and I think it works just as well for what they're doing nowadays. And I definitely want to add to the uh, old design chamber match another one that i really liked it was 2011 it was edge Rey mysterio 
Kane, Big Show, McIntyre, and Wade Barrett. I think that was a very good underrated cha- chamber match where it started with Edge and Ray and then it ended with Edge and Ray. Another incident I want to mention with the old chamber design was nothing that happened inside the Elimination Chamber itself, but The Undertaker caught fire once. And as the story goes, the pyro guy blew it a little bit too close to the Undertaker's face a couple of weeks before, and Taker was like, hey, the fire is getting a little close here. And the pyro guy's like, no, no, you're good, you're good. Fast forward to the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, and (laughs) he gets engulfed in flames. Now, do you remember hearing about this? Do you remember seeing it? What were your thoughts on it? I don't remember seeing it live, but I remember seeing, um, you know, going back and watching it, people talking about it. And then later on, you know, uh, I think I saw, you know, Undertaker talking about it and other people talking about their, you know, recollection of that night saying that, you know, he was worried about it and they were just like, no, it'll be okay. And then, of course, that happens. And he's like, I told y'all something was going to happen and it happened. Uh, but yeah, that's um, it's it's crazy. Some of the stuff is as well trained as they are, as meticulous, the practice that you put into entrances and all this stuff. I mean, accidents can still happen. And then there's sometimes things just get overlooked. You think, OK, it's OK. But, yeah, I remember hearing about that and then uh, seeing what The Undertaker had to say about it. And it's, it's just wild that he said something and they were just like, you'll be OK. Jesus, take the wheel indeed. And now let's get to the new structure of the Elimination Chamber like we went over before. No more steel grates. It's now padding. It's a little bit smaller. Uh, the chamber pods have a little bit more room so you can do crazy stuff off it. How do you like the new chamber concept? Did you think it needed to keep the Elimination Chamber name or would you have rather it call, called it something different? I mean, I think it needed to keep the Elimination Chamber name, right? Because... It's basically the same. I mean, it's a little different. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's slightly different, I guess, but it's really not in terms of um, it looks a little different. There's some padding, but it essentially the rules of the match are the same pretty much. Um, so calling it something else, people would be like, that's the elimination chamber. Like, what are they called? What are they trying to do? It? What are they trying to call it? Like, um, and so it's one of those things. Some people are going to kind of complain about it regardless. They're going to say, it's not the elimination chamber anymore. Why are they calling it that? And if they change the name, they're going to say, what's the elimination chamber? Who are they trying to fool? And so um, I don't really have a problem with it being the called the elimination chamber because it's essentially, that's what it is. Somebody uh, put a comment in one of my videos and said it was like Weenie Hut Jr.'s chamber match. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, you didn't need to go that far. Like, it's it's funny. It is it is funny because it is kind of like the diet version of the original Elimination Chamber, but it still keeps the same spirit of the chains, the pods. It's easier to see the action within the ring. It's not as big and cumbersome. So they did improve in some areas, in my opinion. I understand it's not everyone's cup of tea just because it's not the old chamber that we grew up with. And that's fine. You know, it's just one of those things where. If you think it's too soft, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> don't watch the show. It's like, or, you know, you can take a chance to jump off the, the pod and see how it feels, you know? Yeah, you know, you could land on that mat. It will be like a, uh, it'll be like jumping into a pool. Is a, what it'll be like, 
Like, I think a lot of people yes. think it's like jumping like yeah. off. It's like, oh, it's like they're jumping on mattresses. I'm like, well, a thin like two yeah. inch pad ain't gonna like. It, it's still gonna hurt. It's not gonna be like a metal grate kind of hurt, but it's not gonna tickle. So, to each its yeah. own when it comes to the elimination chamber and its appearance. But the first chamber match under this new design is when Bright Wyatt won the WWE Championship. Now. As far as chamber victories go, is Bray Wyatt's up there as the most important title change or title win in an elimination chamber? And if not, who are a couple others who had chamber matches, uh, chamber wins for championships that you think really put them up onto that next level in WWE? Oh, yeah, I definitely think that when Bray Wyatt uh, won that elimination chamber match, obviously, Rest in peace to, to Bray. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's missed. A lot of people are very saddened by it. Um, I was sad by it. And that's the, one of those things where I've been open and honest to anybody who's ever asked me about Bray Wyatt. I was never his biggest fan, but I respected what he did. I respect, I, I still thought he was super creative, a great storyteller. And so, you know, I would never, I never said anything really bad about him. Just, you know, saying, you know, he, not just not my favorite, but he, he's okay. And so, it definitely helped though on that road to really making him a top star, him finally winning that. I think that kind of, you know, vindicated him that established him as a main event guy, as a top guy in WWE. So that's one of the most important. And then of course, I've already said it a few times, you know, that very first one, when Shawn Michaels winning the title there, you know, it kind of put him back on top of the mountain, kind of, that road to redemption sort of thing, that underdog story, like surely not Shawn Michaels at this point in time is going to win the world title. No, he's not winning it. And then he does it. And then um, the chamber with John Cena winning it, he's all bloodied and beaten down. And that kind of helped right there, you know, just further cement him as one of the goats. And then of course, you know, he got, you know, you know, cashed in on, but still either way that still put him, you know, kind of even further on the map, pinpointing it down. And um, yeah, that that's really cool. And then, of course, the first women's match with Alexa Bliss and all them. Alexa Bliss, Mandy Rose, Mickey James, uh, Sasha Banks, Sonya Deville, and Bailey were in that. Uh, that was important for women's wrestling, right? That was very important that women, you know, can do just as much as the men can do. They can do brutal matches. I love seeing when they give these women a chance to do Hardcore matches, TLCs, Money in the Banks, Hell in a Cell, whatever they got, because a lot of them are willing to do even more than the men just to say, we can do this. Like, y'all don't need to sugarcoat us. We're not Barbie dolls. Uh, Some of us may look like it, but, you know, we play just as hard or harder than a lot of the men. And that was really important for an Alexa Bliss title run at that time too. her retaining, going into the chamber and ended up winning it. And let's transition to the women in the Elimination Chamber. Do you think it was pretty much, like you said, a long time coming? And if you were in charge of WWE since the inception of the Elimination Chamber, when did you think would be the perfect time to make an all-women's chamber match? I think probably around that time. I'm kind of, I can't really think of the the exact years for that, but right around the time where, you know, your your four horsewomen were coming in to the main roster and they were starting to take over, that would have been a perfect time because you could have put all four of them and two other women in there, and it would have been an absolute banger. And 
to it. I think that still took a couple years later. You still got some of the, you know, you got Sasha Banks and Bailey in that very first one. And then Sasha Banks and Bailey teamed up and won, you know, the inaugural women's tag team championships uh, a year later uh, in the chamber. And so that's interesting that, you know, they were still in both of them. Um, but like, I, like I was saying, the four horsewomen um, and then two other women at the time when they were first coming up, would have been a great way to, you know, further establish how dominant the four horsewomen were uh, and have been. You know, they, all of them are pretty much still dominant. I know Sasha Banks isn't in WWE anymore. Uh, people think she's on the way to AEW. Some people think she's still going to WWE. I don't know. I'm, wherever she shows up, I'm going to ch- tune in and see what she does. But, um, yeah, it, it's I, I would definitely say those four women – plus two other uh, women that were at the top at the time would have been great to see. I would have loved to seen an AJ Lee in there. Um, I kind of put a list together of kind of some of the dream matches, dream opponents that I would like to see. And uh, on my women's, you know, AJ Lee made it. Trish and Lita would have been great because they have that, you know, that rivalry. Uh, I would have put Jazz and China, you know, two big, strong women just throwing people around. And just as a wild card, I'd love to see Luna Vachon in it as well uh, from back in the day. If you could just throw all these people together from any time period, because um, I think she would have loved it. She was as metal as metal can get, and she she would have just had a, a ball in there. Yeah, and, and to add to that, I would have loved to see Victoria in there. I would have loved to see Ivory in there. Just these unsung women in wrestling in general thrive in that kind of environment, and I think that would have been a cool place to – Uh, showcase what they can do inside a structure like the elimination chamber and still keeping on topic with the women in the chamber match. You know, like you mentioned the women's tag team championships, the inaugural tag team champions of Sasha Banks and Bailey won a chamber match to become champions. And of course, a lot of people like to make jokes about the women's tag team championships now, just because they're not being consistent on television booking wise and just story wise did you think it was a wise idea to have the first champions crowned in an in a elimination chamber? Or do you think it would have been better if it was just straight up like tournament or just like anything else? But was the chamber match the right way to go? I think looking back, the doing it in the chamber match, um, it added, it, it immediately added significance to it right it made you feel like okay they're gonna have to work their butt off go through all of this go through this structure go through these other teams all at once to win this so it it makes it it gives it just a little bit of prestige right off the bat um and but like you know there's been people talking like you said it doesn't get booked properly they act like they don't really care then they will care for a month and then they don't care and it's kind of back and forth um, and then with, you know, doing, you know, tournaments and stuff, they've had like a handful of tournaments the past few years, because it seems like they were, it, they were kind of cursed, you know, Sasha Banks and Naomi, they up and left. And so they do tournaments and then, uh, a team wins, somebody gets injured. Uh, they do another tournament team wins, somebody gets injured. Um, and then it kind of, I'm glad that they finally, when Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville, now that's one of my favorite women's tag teams 
in the last few years that you didn't think they went together and then they they got together and they started wrestling and they just really bounced off each other really well and honestly a lot of it's just chelsea green i'm a big chelsea green fan Uh, i wish i could say it like samantha irvin does but i just can't i've tried i failed miserably but uh yeah big chelsea green fan and she kind of honestly the way her character is, she can pretty much be a tag team with anybody. Her and Piper Niven, a very solid tag team. I thought they bounced off each other really well. Um, and so now you got the Kabuki Warriors, our champions again, um, which is cool because you have Asuka, who is a certified star. She's established. She's got all the groundwork that she needs for the, to carry prestige for a title. And you got Kyrie Sane, who's who's done it all, you know, everywhere else. She's done some good stuff in WWE, but it's good for her too. You know, it builds her up some more in WWE. And I, it's something I said um, when uh, they ended up winning it. Kabuki Wars won it, and I was like, this is good for them because it seems like they're taking the Kabuki Warriors seriously. So if they have the titles, then hopefully they'll take the titles seriously too. I definitely agree. The women's tag team division in general and the champions in general are being treated at least a smidge more seriously than they were in the past. And that's only a good sign of things to come, hopefully. And I'm very hopeful for the women and women in general. And speaking of women in the Elimination Chamber, let's kind of like fast forward to this current Elimination Chamber card. Now, as of recording, we have five of the six participants inside the Women's Elimination Chamber. And we have Becky Lynch. We have Liv Morgan. We have uh, Naomi. We have Tiffany Stratton. And we have... Oh, gosh. Memorized this and now... Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair. Uh, we have five great women. We we stand <laughs> Bianca Belair in my house. Hey, fine with me. Bianca Belair is a phenomenal performer despite me misremembering she was even in the match but anyway there seems to be a lot of i don't want to say build up but there's a lot of like little storylines that are intricated in this chamber match you have becky lynch who wants to face real ripley to prove that she's still the man you have Liv morgan who wants revenge on real ripley you have bianca belair who wants to get her title back from eo sky you have tiffany stratton who's trying to make her name for herself and at at the same time disrespecting Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair who are already established names on the main roster and of course Tiffany Stratton and uh, Becky Lynch had their issue so there's a lot of stories here that are kind of intertwined with a big story and a big goal of trying to get Rhea Ripley even though only a couple of the participants really have that kind of tie-in with her with her do you think that's a flaw in the number one contenders matches is that only some people have history with the champion that is at the end of the day, the goal, I guess, because hypothetically, let's say Bianca wins that chamber match. There isn't really a story between her and Rhea that has been as established as Becky and Liv have. Well, yeah, yeah, I I totally, I get what you mean as far as, it kind of, you know, it puts us wrestling fans in the IWC, it kind of puts us in a corner because we're like, okay, Rhea Ripley's the champion. Okay, who has history with her? And so you can automatically elimin- start eliminating some names of, okay, who's got a story with her? Who doesn't? Who makes sense? Because, right, because we're going to we're gonna book it ourselves like we actually have the power to book it 
Um, unless we're talking about the main event, you know, we can we can put Cody Rhodes in there whenever we want, apparently. But um, uh, like Liv Morgan and Rhea, they have the most. They obviously have the the biggest story out of all these people, right? Um, Liv Morgan eliminated by Rhea Ripley in the 2023 Royal Rumble. She was the last one. They were best friends. Rhea turned her back on her, you know, so there's all that storyline already with Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley. Then you got Becky Lynch, who, you know, her whole thing is she's the man and Rhea Ripley is mommy. And, you know, they're both these dominating forces. And so it makes sense for them to collide sooner or later. Um, now, Tiffany Stratton doesn't really have much going on with Rhea Ripley. She's the young up-and-comer. She's probably going to do the prettiest damn moonsault off the pod you're ever going to see, so I would definitely watch out for that. I think it's going to be good. And then Naomi is in there. She doesn't have a whole lot of history, really, with Rhea Ripley. Um, but, I mean, she's a phenomenal athlete, a great wrestler, big name, so they want to round that out, right? So they, you also have one more um, besides Bianca Belair. Now, Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley do have history, not on the main roster in NXT. They had around, they had a couple of bouts, you know, over mm-hmm. the NXT women's championship. So there is a, there is somewhat of a storyline there, mm-hmm. but there's nothing that they've touched on, you know, in the past couple of years. Uh, so they could definitely pick that back up if, you know, they decide to go with the EST. And then we have rounding out who's going to win, who's going to be that last person. They have that last chance qualifier uh, battle Royale. Uh, we got Zelina Vega is going to be in it. Um, Alba Fire, um, whoever the other, whoever else was in, I don't know. I can't remember who else was in it. Uh, Selena <laughs> Vega, Zoe but, Stark, um, Shayna Baszler. Yes. All those. All Zoe those Stark, Shayna yeah. Baszler. So, yeah. And they're going to add some more people. Um, I'm hoping maybe we get a returning Raquel Rodriguez. I'm really big on her. I wouldn't mind seeing her kind of round out, you know, that number six spot. But also, I'd be cool with Zelina Vega. Also, Meechin. I'm really high on Meechin. Um, and she just seems, they just seem like they're showing her a bunch, but she always loses. So I'm hoping maybe she can get into that chamber match and, you know, work some magic. Uh, but yeah, I I think at the end of the day, it, they're really setting up that Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley. So I'm, I'm leaning towards Becky Lynch. There, there were rumors about a Jade Cargill appearance at the Elimination Chamber, whether that's in the match or just the show in general. It would be a phenomenal way to showcase her again with the Royal Rumble. And there was even a graphic leaked out where she was one of the Chamber participants, but then they quickly pulled, and then you start hearing reports yeah. of whether she got pulled or not. And now uh, Mike Johnson, he reported that as of a couple days ago, that was still kind of the plan, but plans can change. So nothing's for certain in wrestling in general. So if she happens to be in the match, she happens to be in the match. Now compare this to the men's world heavyweight championship chamber match. You got Drew McIntyre, you got Randy Orton, you got Bobby Lashley, you got Kevin Owens, Logan Paul, and L.A. Knight. So, comparatively yeah. to the comparatively to the uh, women's elimination chamber match, how do you think this one stacks up? Um, as far as names, I mean, it, it's it's a little bit above you know the names that you see in the women's, but I think that's what they were going for with it being in Perth. They were going for name recognition. They were going for people that you could actually believe could go for that world heavyweight championship and challenge Seth Rollins at 
WrestleMania. So obviously I'm, I'm a big fan of pretty much everybody that's in this match, except for Logan Paul. Um, I mean, I like Logan Paul, the wrestler, uh, Logan Paul, the other stuff, not a big fan, but Logan Paul, the wrestler has showed me that, Hey, he can hang. He can hang with just about anybody in that ring that they put him with. Um, now, obviously his match against the Miz the other night, um, a little sloppy, but I mean, that happens sometimes, you know, not everybody's perfect. Now, um, I love me some Bobby Lashley, the almighty. And see, that's the thing with this match. There's four guys in here that I could see winning. I mean, Bobby Lashley, L.A. Knight. Yeah. Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton. Um, I could see any four of those people winning. But I mean, I'm leaning towards Drew McIntyre because that seems to be what they're setting up. Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins has beaten Drew McIntyre about 87 times now. And so Drew McIntyre might just finally get that W and become the World Heavyweight Champion at WrestleMania. And what's interesting that this is for the Raw's World Heavyweight Championship uh, for the number one contendership. And Drew's the only Raw superstar involved in this entire matchup. So do you think when things happen like that, do you think that makes the ending a little bit more obvious or do you think it's just something not to pay attention to when it concerns just wwe uh, well it definitely makes you feel like um you lean more towards you know drew mcintyre he's the only raw superstar where heavyweight championship is on raw so you're like okay by default you know he's gonna win it but then you think about well cody's a raw superstar and he's challenging the champion on smackdown and so it could go either way there because now because Basically, what happens every time they have a draft, right? The further we get along into the year, into the next year, the further those lines blur, the more people are crossing over. There's no sense of anybody belongs to this brand or that brand, Um, especially on the road to WrestleMania. They're wanting to utilize everybody as much as they can. And so I, um, like I've said before, I'd love to see LA Knight win. I'd love to see Bobby Lashley, Randy Orton. I wouldn't even, I'd be happy with Kevin Owens. I mean, I'd like all of them except for Logan Paul, to be honest. But yeah, it, at the end of the day, it's kind of hard to say that it's not going to be Drew McIntyre because um, that's just the story with Seth Rollins. Drew McIntyre chasing that World Heavyweight Championship, chasing that WrestleMania moment in front of a live crowd that he didn't get. And so he's he's kind of doing that long road to redemption to finally uh winning that world heavyweight championship finally finishing his story now where have i heard that before so to speak yeah <laughs> now your your women's dream elimination chamber match who would be your men's dream elimination chamber match oh yeah so i thought about that too um yeah, my my dream men's uh, elimination terror match would be. I tried to get people who haven't been. There's one or two people that were in the match, but um, the first name I thought of elimination chamber wise was Shelton Benjamin. Dude, mm-hmm. just a freak athlete. Never really got the recognition or the flowers that he deserved. I would have loved to seen him. I, I don't think he's been in one. If he has, it was just one or two. But I would love to see him. I'd love to see. Uh, if we can obviously go back in time, pick anybody, throw him in a match. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, he, he's one of my favorites of all time. So love to see him do uh, a f- that frog splash off a pod or something. You know, the three amigos, you know, seeing him on top of the pod, just just getting it. You know, I'd love to see that. And then 
we'll kind of shift a little bit. I'd love to see Mick Foley and not just Mick Foley, but Cactus Jack in the chamber because he would just be brutal in that. He would be rubbing people's faces, you know, in the chain. He'd have a good time. Bang, bang, scissor gang, all that stuff. And then, I, you know, one of my other favorites, Macho Man, Randy Savage. I'd love to see him in there. I'm looking, I'm, a lot of my picks are people that I'd love to see them just jump off the pod and do their moves. So I'd love to see that big elbow drop. You know, RVD, I'd love to see him in it. Uh, obviously, we've seen him do the frog splash and stuff, but I mean, he could probably still go today in Elimination Chamber. I saw him on Dynamite a few weeks ago, and he still looks great. And then to round it out, we need a big man. We need an enforcer. We need somebody who's going to pick somebody up and just sling him across the ring. And I'm talking about my guy, Andre the Giant. Man, if he was in there, he would just stand in the middle of the ring, swinging his arms. Everybody would be going everywhere. Uh, but, yeah, I think those would be my six if I could pick anybody. Yeah, I definitely agree with Eddie Guerrero. He would have been tremendous in a match like that. Andre would have been a sight to see, especially if he was like number one or two, not even in the pod. Even if a pod could fit Andre inside that, that would be a crazy visual. Visual I could just picture Macho doing the elbow off the top. And Sheldon Benjamin is literally like a cat when he's in these types of situations and matches. And I never got the just do that he... I feel like deserved. And of course people like to bring up the mic work in front of it. No, no reason you'd, you couldn't have a manager or anything like that, but I'm going to go with uh, another one of those uh, questions you sent before, because I think it's a pretty interesting one. What is one thing that you would change about the elimination chamber and why? Kind of going back to what we've talked about earlier, like with the extreme elimination chamber, Mm -hmm. if we could, you know, add some of that elements to it, even if it's just a one-off, you know, even if it's just every now and then when the chamber is personal, because it's not so personal anymore, but whenever you have a lot of these interweaving storylines where all the contestants kind of have a story with each other, you can do something a bit more personal. You could add a TLC element to it. You could add you know, maybe, you know, I don't know how well it would work and if they'd be able to pull it off, but, you know, an Inferno match type around to it. Put some rings of fire around it, man. Johnny Cash, that thing, you know, put some barbed wire every somewhere, you know, use real glass. Uh, CM Punk will not be allowed to be in the match if that's the case, but you could use real glass. I mean, there's a lot of cool things that you could do. Um, a lot of it for me just is just making it more brutal, more hardcore. Um but, you know, just changing as far as how the match plays out and go away from that, the format, maybe you could um, with you with these qualifiers, you can do cert- something maybe similar to the rumble. After they qualify, they all roll a little wheel and pull out a ball and that's the number they get. Mm-hmm. And now, obviously, it'll probably be fixed, but at least it would add an element to you know, of element of like, oh, randomness, you know. Uh, who's going to enter because you don't really know who's going to enter until it starts, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so you don't really know how it's going to shake out. And, you know, you have that random with the little light going everywhere. But um, yeah, if I would, if I had could change one thing, I would just say, throw some ladders and chairs and, you know, TLC it up. um, And then I would, I would watch it. I'm going to watch it anyway, but like, I would definitely not want to take my eyes off of it. Going back to how they used to determine uh, the entry order for the Elimination Chamber, they used to do the Beat the Clock Challenge a bit. That's where the Beat the Clock Challenge uh, originated from, was 
whoever got the shortest time and they won their match, they would have been the last entrant. I believe Batista was the first one to actually achieve that, and he was the last entrant for his 2005 Elimination Chamber at New Year's uh, Revolution. The change that I would make, because I actually did spend time thinking about it and seeing, like, what could be a little bit cooler to see the elimination chamber and i was thinking you got the pods there you got everything like that and i was thinking if you were to get a pinfall or submission and if you eliminate someone you should get like some sort of reward or compensated for doing that in such a structure so figured if you win you get like two three minute breather so you don't need to be in this hellish structure for a long period of time you get a nice rest period and it gives people incentive for eliminating competitors you know and get that rest period and watch everybody kind of like slowly just kind of take each other out and exhaust each other and then you have somebody who's fresh as a daisy to just kind of like get a rest within the chamber match itself so i think that would have been a pretty cool addition there oh yeah you could um even just say like you get timeouts, you know, how, how you could definitely spin that with some, especially some people who have good comedic timing, you know, somebody, you could say um, a guy, you know, Randy Orton is coming up on LA night to do the, or, or Logan Paul to do the RKO. Logan Paul hits him with the timeout because he eliminated Kevin Owens. He's got a timeout stored, you know, something like that could just be funny too, but, or it could just be, you know, like you said, just a breather, mm-hmm. but you know, that's a good idea. That's something that I didn't really think of, but you know, thinking of it now, like, you know, that's actually something they could actually implement probably. Oh, thank you. Uh, they should start hiring both of us and then we'll be on those lovely creative contracts, but that's then this is now. Yeah. What are some of your favorite elimination chamber moments? A lot of them, a lot of the ones that I'm thinking about right now are coming up just from the last few years. Um, even just not even not even the elimination chamber structure matches themselves. Just like last year, just talking about regular old matches, you know, we had Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns. That was such a good match. You know, the whole Sami Zayn and the bloodline, you know, it's cliche. Everybody says it, but it's like that was cinema. You know, like it was like watching a masterpiece unfold. It was so good. Did I think Sami Zayn was going to win that match, walk out undisputed champion? No way. But did for a fraction of a second, did I think he had him beat a time or two? Hell yes. I thought for a second, for a split second, I was like, oh, he's going to do it. But then but then I get back to reality and I'm like, yeah, they're not taking the title off him. Oh, you know, WrestleMania is right here, like next week, basically, you know, they're not taking it off of him. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, and then that you, I've said it earlier, um, the United States. Uh, chamber match was really really good you had a lot of great moments montez ford really showed out uh, i'm surprised they never really went with that singles push uh, they kind of looked like they were about to and then they stopped and then now they're back to tag teaming and they're kind of just bobby lashley sidekicks right now but hopefully the street profits you know profits will be up soon uh, because i really enjoy watching them um, montez ford does have a big future as a single star whenever they do that uh, but yeah, then you had a lot of inlaid stuff. You know, you had the Seth Rollins chasing that title. He hadn't been a champion for like three or four years or something. That was really good. You had Logan Paul get involved. Austin Theory helped establish him further as one of the best United States champions uh, in recent memory. Um, 
that was really good. And then the men's one, uh, or the women's one was pretty good. The, you know, Oscar winning. Um, so yeah, overall, uh, the ones, some of the ones the past few years I've really enjoyed and I really need to this week leading up to the elimination chamber, I'm going to go back and watch even more from further years back. And then I'll probably change my mind 10 times on what the best ones were. Uh, I'm going to throw in a couple moments of my own. The Santino run in the 2012 SmackDown World Heavyweight Championship Elimination Chamber was very enjoyable. Doing the whole Rocky story of Santino. He was like outside being Rocky Balboa. And when he was in the match, he showed out and he impressed a lot of people. And a, a lot of people were actually believing for a time that he would win the World Heavyweight Championship. So that was a cool moment for him there was uh, a shocking moment with uh the 2009 world title elimination chamber when john cena was the last entrant and he only lasted two minutes because ray mysterio chris jericho and edge all ganged up on him and he was eliminated and this was peak of super cena so that never happened and last one is kofi kingston's performance in the elimination chamber during kofi mania you know uh this happened the a uh, couple days after that infamous gauntlet, uh, that famous gauntlet match of Kofi Kingston, and just he showed out and he showed he could be in a main event storyline, and it really did uh, help him traject into that WWE Championship match at WrestleMania. But we're just kind of wrapping up here, Roman. Thank you so much for joining me. Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want to promote? The floor is yours. Well, first off, I got to thank you for having me on here. Um, I mean, I, I, I know that like I'm starting to grow a little bit on TikTok. I'm getting close to 10K followers on there. Uh, and so a few people have started, you know, reaching out to me a little bit, um, which is it. It tickles me, man, because like I just got on here to start talking about wrestling. You know, that's the I just wanted to make content. I was like, I see all these people talking about it. And why am I not talking about it? I love wrestling, too. And so it's been, a, you know, I've been doing this a little over a year and I've started finally kind of, you know, caught a little bit of a break, you know, with a bit of a following. And so it's starting to grow here. And so anytime anybody asks me, I don't I don't care who you are. Uh, you ask me, I'll, I'll take a look at your stuff and I'll try to do my best to help promote you as well. I mean, I like, I want to bring people up with me. If I'm going up, we can all go up. You know what I mean? Uh, there's that saying about, you know, when the waters rise, all boats rise too, or something. I probably messed the saying up, but you know what I mean? You know, it, I'm all about it. I'm all about, you know, sh sharing, promoting each other, um, anything I can do to help somebody else. I mean, I would hope that other people would want to help me because I want to help other people reach the heights that I want to reach. And so I, I appreciate you having me on here, but I'm going to go ahead and plug all my stuff real quick. Um, it's at wrestling with Roman pretty much everywhere. You got YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Those are the three big ones. And then I'm also on uh, X or Twitter. That's Roman wrestling underscore. That's the only one that's different. Um, it's rest at wrestling with Roman everywhere else. Also, I want to say, that um, I've recently partnered with the Next Level app. And so if you know what Linktree is or Direct Me or whatever that is, it's the same thing, but it's it's just a different app. And every time you go on there, it helps me out just a little smidge. If you, if you visit that link, it helps me out um, a little bit. And it's actually really cool. So what you do is you get on there and you, you basically create a profile. And I don't know if you've seen it on mine or if anybody 
who's listened has seen this, uh, seen my page and clicked on it, you click on it. It doesn't look anything like, you know, Linktree and direct me and all these, they all pretty much look the same, right? This one looks like you're kind of going on to your own website. And so it looks really cool. It has all your socials right there. You can add whenever you want to it. So that's really cool right there if you ever want to check that out. But yeah, I think that's pretty much all I got as far as shameless plugs and, you know, trying to get people to look at my stuff. Hey, no shameless plugs here. We always like promoting. And like you said, we're here to lift each other up. We're not rolling boulders down the mountain. We want to help each other climb that mountain of wrestling content creation. Roman, please, thank you so much for talking Elimination Chamber with me of this lovely structure and its evolution. And again, you could follow the show and myself on TikTok, on X or Twitter, and on Instagram at Retold Richie Mars. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time. TTFN, Tata for now. See you later.